Well, hello there, HW here, and thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Tone Junkie podcast, the official Tone Junkie podcast, except no imitations. Now, I know what you're thinking, HW, why on earth are you starting a podcast? Aren't you busy enough with the best YouTube channel on the interwebs? And to that, I would say, thank you so much. I appreciate that compliment, and I sometimes feel that way myself. So why a podcast? Why is HW starting a podcast? Why are the Tone Junkies venturing into the world of audio and podcast world? Well, why not? There's a lot of podcasts out there that are worse than the one that I'm about to make, and you might listen to some of those. So hopefully, hopefully, you find something that you want to listen to here. In all seriousness, no, uh, though, uh, the Tone Junkie podcast is just for me meant to be my behind-the-scenes look my uh, less edited version of some of my thoughts and opinions and fun discussions and things that, that I'm passionate about. And I am passionate about guitars and amps and pickups and pedals and cables and knobs and tone and all of that stuff uh, that you are probably passionate about. I'm a real tone junkie. Uh, there's not a part of it that I do not love. There's not a style of guitar I do not love. And I always said, uh, if it's music and it has a guitar in it, I probably like it. And that's really true. I just have very eclectic taste when it comes to tone and music and guitars. I just find them to be beautiful. Uh, they're, they're iconic. They're part of history, Americana. They are inspiring. They're art. Uh, they're utilitarian. Uh, they're all of those things. They're 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 both old and new and and out of style and very much in right now. And um, I just think they're incredible. I'm standing here in my uh, my sort of amp room studio where I do a lot of my videos and stuff, and I'm just surrounded by this stuff. And I find them fascinating. You know, I find it fascinating that there's been eight versions of the OCD. I find it fascinating that we we still buy the same circuit, the Tube Screamer circuit is just being recreated, recreated, recreated. I'm looking at eight of them right now on a shelf. Um, it's incredible to me. Uh, I'm looking at some prototypes from uh, a guy named uh, Joshua at Black Box that he sent me. And there's some incredible stuff here. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the tape that he wrote the very first, you know, G-T-P-V, standing for gain, treble, presence, I'm sorry, gain, tone, presence, volume on this blue line pedal. And then right next to it, the very first production version. And then right next to that, another production version, a modern one. And it, it's just incredible to me. You know, someone created that. They created that on a circuit board because they wanted a tone that they had in their head that they couldn't find somewhere else. And it's just beautiful. It really is. And I'm obsessed with the way technology is catching up, how we finally have this thing called a Kemper. Uh, in my opinion, it's it's the best piece of technology out there for guitar players. I know a lot of people like the Helix and people like Axe Effects and uh, uh, Bias and stuff. But to me, the Kemper really does it. And I'm obsessed with the way that it appears these, as Alexander, Ham, uh, as Alexander Dumble put it, um, how these fragile harmonics uh, that can only exist in the vacuum tube and can't survive in a crystal lattice, whatever that means, all I know is the Kemper sounds great and amps sound great and guitars sound great and I am a freaking tone junkie. Okay, now that we're done with that, uh, let's talk about the Silver Sky. 
I had my friend Desi Cerna come over with a Silver Sky, and uh, this particular Silver Sky has been in Nashville area for a while, and a lot of people have been showing it to their friends and stuff, and the couple guys who have uh, who it's been loaned to from PRS have been showing a bunch of the cats around town, and uh, the reports back are this. When you put your hands on this guitar, everyone sort of is starting to say the same thing. I really didn't want to love this. I, I kind of was a hater. I really didn't want to believe it, but man, this is a great guitar. And they really are. They are really incredible guitars. Um, if, if you hate the Silver Sky without having put your hands on one, I get it. The headstock looks different. The body looks different. I get if you don't like it, that's purely a preference thing. But I'm going to tell you, after playing a Big Sky for one hour in my home, through uh, my amps, my Kemper, through my gear, in my comfortable guitar practice area, with no pressure, just enjoying the instrument, listening to it, we put it up against a gold custom shop Strat and a Bluesman vintage Strat with David Allen pickups. It sounded incredible. All these guitars are incredible. I wouldn't tell anyone, oh, this guitar is bad or you should sell this. They were all incredible guitars. But I want to tell you, that the Silver Sky, I have no hesitation in telling you it's Fender Custom Shop quality. I have no hesitation in telling you that at $2,000, I, I actually think it's an amazing guitar for $2,200. It's every bit as good as every Sir guitar I've ever played. It's every bit as good as every Custom Shop guitar I've ever played. If you don't like the look of it, that's your thing. But I'm talking just about the construction and the quality for a moment and the tone. Everything is there. The pickups... The pickups are the bell of this ball. They are incredible. They are incredible pickups. Now, we compared this to Fender Custom Shop dual mag pickups designed by Mike Eldridge with the two different types of magnets. These are no slouches. These are five, $600 pickups you could buy from the Custom Shop, right? We compared them to the David Allen Dover set. These are also very expensive pickups, very sought after. If you can get a set, because owners don't sell them, the David Allen stuff is incredible, these Dovers in particular. But this PRS 635 pickup set is hands down one of the best sets of Strat pickups I've ever heard. I have a really hard time after spending an hour with this guitar yesterday telling people that you should spend $3,500, $4,000 on a team-built custom shop Strat, that you should spend five dollars or $6,000 on a master-built Strat because of all the custom shop stuff I've played, which has not been, I haven't played 50, I've played seven, eight custom shop guitars. I'd have a really hard time in saying in terms of construction, playability, and tone, that there's something going on with all of those very expensive custom shop guitars that is not going on with the PRS. Now, if you're a purist, if you want a little piece of history, if you love the idea that at the Fender Custom Shop, they're still using the same metal presses that, that, uh, that Leo Fender used in 1954, they have many of the same machines. If you love the fact that you could forensically match the metal pieces on a Custom Shop instrument back to the original Fender shop in the 50s, if you are romantic about guitars like that, which I am, I get it. I own a Custom Shop Strat, Gold Sparkle, 59 Journeyman Relic. I'm not selling it. I'm not selling it when the Silver Sky shows up. I believe, I believe guitars can coexist peacefully. I have a dream that guitars can coexist peacefully, that they can be judged. Okay. Um, the PRS stands up to it all. 
It really does. Let's talk about it for a minute. The headstock, I'm just going to take it down the guitar. The headstock, um, it's a lighter maple. Maybe some people feel like that shape is almost offensive on top of that guitar. And that kind of was my thought initially. But the more I looked at it, the more I didn't mind it. And what's so funny is, it's really weird about this guitar. I've noticed this in pictures before I played one. When I look at the guitar by itself in like a shot on like a white background or hanging on a stand or something, I don't love the look of it. But when a player is playing it, it, it the line sort of makes sense. I, I can't really describe it. The headstock mostly for me is the thing that doesn't look good when I just see the guitar by itself. But when I have it in my hands and I'm playing it and I look at pictures of me playing it, or when I see pictures of John Mayer playing it, it, it seems to look better, sort of, it's more aesthetically pleasing when it's horizontal and it's being played by somebody. I know that's strange, but all that to say, I loved watching it being played. I didn't think it looked bad at all. Now, there's some very modern appointments. I don't think PRS is ever going to release like a relic version of uh, the Silver Sky, because um, that's just not really their thing. They do have some kind of like some beat up guitars and stuff, but I just don't see that happening. It looks like John Mayer chose this sort of flat gray sort of graphite, a little lighter than graphite steel color uh, for the tuning pegs and for the truss rod cover. So there's these sort of modern appointments on the guitar that kind of signal to me they're not going to really get any more vintage than they are right now. They're sort of trying to say, yeah, yeah, we know it looks, yeah, we know it's got three single coils and the placement of the knobs and the trim and the body. We, we get it. It's, it's definitely a, a throwback, but but we're not trying to do the vintage thing. We're not trying to make these like old guitars. We're not trying to say they're, they're, they're they look like old straps. We're trying to make a modern guitar here. Uh, moving down to the neck, if you were to cover up the headstock and the body and look at the neck, the neck looks and feels like an old Fender. And one of the things I noticed was the fretboard seemed to be slightly thinner um, on this on this guitar um, in relation to the um, to the neck. Almost like what you would see in a late 60s, early 70s Strat. Um, some of those fretboards got a little bit thinner. Definitely in the mid-70s, they got a little thinner. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a construction choice. I think that's just how they're cutting the fretboard, how they're shaping it. I don't. It's not thin by any means. You'll just notice that on a Fender instrument, it could be just a hair thin. It's a hair thinner than that. The, just the fretboard itself, it's still joined to the neck, you know, perfectly. You don't notice. The neck is is pretty round. It's a it's a fairly um, it's a good size neck. John has big hands. I have big hands, and so I really found it very enjoyable. Now the question everyone's thinking, of course, the nut was perfect. It was perfect. Um, it didn't go sharp or flat. We played the heck out of it a bunch. Um, everyone's talking about this fretboard radius. It's that seven and a quarter. I don't love seven and a quarter guitars. Um, in fact, apart from the Silver Sky that's now on its way to me right now, because like I said, I bought one, uh, I don't own any seven and a quarter uh, radius guitars. And that's because I kind of prefer something a little more flat. I prefer like a modern nine and a half, a, a 10. Um, I have some SIRs that are 10 to 16 compound radius or nine and a half to 12 compound radius. And I love those guitars, but man, this thing was comfortable. It didn't fret out. We tried to make it fret out. We played a bunch of Joe Walsh riffs and it didn't fret out. And uh, Joe Walsh, you know, kind of known for that technique of huge bends, sometimes two step, two and a half step bends he'll pull out. This thing didn't fret out. It reminds me of a certain uh, interview I just heard with Paul where he says, 
oh really you can't bend on a seven and a quarter scale guitar or I'm sorry a seven and a quarter radius guitar uh, John Mayer does it Stevie Ray Vaughan did it um, Hendrix did it which is a very valid point they did do it the real question is are the frets cut correctly uh, will it are the frets perfect if the frets are perfect you don't need to really worry about the uh, the scale there uh, the radius of the guitar and they are we couldn't make it fret out um, moving down to the body, I had heard a report that the knobs were cheap feeling on the guitar, which is a confusing kind of thing to say because, of course, they're cheap. They're small plastic knobs. They're cheap on every guitar. They're a little piece of molded plastic. I'm sure the manufacturer cost is three cents. Uh, you could probably buy them new for $1.50. I mean, they're cheap. That's what, that's what they are. Uh, I think what people may be referring to here is that the um, the pots um, are very easy to move. They're very low resistance. And so it allows you to put the volume pot sort of in any position without much resistance. You know, sometimes you get like a sticky pot or kind of a rough pot, uh, especially on old guitars. These are very smooth, very light, uh, lighter than, than many. But what a lot of people I think don't realize is Sometimes the pots on guitars are a little stiff because the knob is actually pushed down too far and it can be scraping against um, the the pick guard of like a Strat style guitar or something. Um, but anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, uh, that's that's uh, for another podcast episode about knobs, I suppose. But what I really noticed was um, you really could get all these in-between sounds, sort of, uh, not the in-between pickup selection sounds, but these sort of in-between, what's a Strat sound like on 7 as opposed to 5? It was all there, and these pots worked beautifully. The pickups are the real star of the show uh, for the Silver Sky here. They absolutely are fantastic. These PRS 63.5 pickups. John Mayer puts it like this. There's bass in the treble and treble in the bass. And what that means is when you go on the bridge, it's the best bridge Strat I've ever heard. In my opinion, it was the best bridge Strat in the room that day. It was the best bridge pickup that I've heard, and it's better than my Gold Strat. I'm going to just straight up say that. The Gold Strat can sound, and what's funny is, before this, I would have said the Gold Strat is the best Strat pickup I've heard uh, in the bridge there, because it doesn't, it, it gets, it's, it's usable, and you can see that on some of our Tone Junkie videos. You can see that on some of the Kemper Profile videos, where we try out different profiles, different amp sounds, and we go to the bridge of that Strat. That's not something we were doing before I bought that Strat because we never really considered the bridge of a Strat to be like anything but kind of too harsh. What's interesting though about the Silver Sky is that even though it's very bright on the bridge, you throw in some country licks and almost for a second you think you're playing a Telecaster. It doesn't, it doesn't sound not like a Strat. It sounds like a Strat, but but, you know, the bass sort of stayed together, and it was bright, but there was like a low end that was in that Strat pickup. It wasn't harsh and shrill. Moving up to the neck, there was treble in the bass. It's a fat sound, like a really fat neck sound, but there was so much clarity and brightness. That's what I would say about these pickups. They're incredibly clear. It's a little bit like the Big Dipper pickups, but these are different. These are clear. Those are scooped. These are clear. I don't hear a lot of scoop in these pickups, but I hear all the clarity of those Big Dippers, which is very interesting because we usually understand that there's a relationship between sort of high-end clarity and mid-range. Mid too much mid-range, we get a very congested sound. Too little mid-range, uh, and we get a very scoop sound, and sometimes that gives us an amount of clarity that we really like. 
These pickups don't sound scooped to me. Uh, with some overdrive, they start to sound very juicy, very kind of thick, especially on the neck and stuff, but they have this high-end clarity about them. That's why I would describe it as it sounds like an audio engineer got a hold of a really great Strat and EQ'd the track perfectly. It sounds like those old vintage recordings where there must be something going on, where there's some warmth of the tape, where there's some EQ being added maybe afterwards. I don't know. They sound like an archetype version of a Strat pickup. They sound incredible. I'm so excited to own one of these. I'm going to be doing a bunch of videos on it. You'll be able to check it out on the channel. Depending on when you're watching this, I probably already have a bunch posted uh, or they're coming. But this shootout, I'm very excited to show you this video. It's going to be really nice. Check that out on the YouTube channel. Uh, if you haven't, uh, maybe in the future I'll start putting some audio clips here also. That could be fun. Man, the Silver Sky. If you're a hater, uh, you got to put your hands on one of these because... We're living in a time where things are being thrown upside down, you know. I'm listening to amp makers say that they can't make it anymore. People say that the Helix and the Kemper are stealing all the amps and blah, 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 all this stuff. And at the same time, you get companies like PRS who are just, they're just pushing forward. You get companies like Sir, who I think are putting out some of the most amazing guitars at the price ranges, $21.95 for a Sir guitar that I think is also Fender Custom Shop quality. But like I said... I'm romantic about these guitars a lot of times. I did go buy a Custom Shop Strat because I love the story behind it because I was there that night that they showed it off, they did a big presentation, and I, I fell in love. I fell in love. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Tone Junkie podcast. Uh, please uh, give me a like, give me a, a good review. Just hit me up on Facebook. Tell me, hey, I'm listening to the podcast. Uh, and the encouragement means so much to me at this point. I'm going to do this podcast if... 100 people listen, if 50 people listen, if 10,000 people listen. I'm going to do this podcast if three people listen. If only two people listen, I'm probably not going to do the podcast. I'm probably just going to do like a three-way call with those two people because that would be easier. But if it's three people listening, it'd be hard to like get all, that'd be four schedules, three people and me. It'd be hard to get everyone scheduled together. So I'll still do the podcast if three people listen. Thank you so much for listening to the Tone Junkie podcast. My name is HW. Out.